Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with creative arts psychotherapist Megan Walsh. She grew up in a family that did not discuss feelings. Her parents were separated for seven years and never spoke about it. Megan turned to music and songwriting to process everything that was left unsaid. Through years of her own analytic work and clinical analytical training, Megan has become a specialist in supporting young adults to navigate complex family relationships through creative arts psychotherapy. She's got a great story. Enjoy this interview. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. We had a fight to get to this point. I know. <laughs> it took a minute. Apologies. Whew. No, it's all good. Thank you for taking a minute. Where are you coming out of? I'm in um, the western suburbs of Chicago. Okay. Wonder. I love Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where right. are you? Located? I'm in Kansas City. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So I've spent a lot of time up there. Yeah. I love what you do for a living. It's great. Thanks. And before we get into it, what I would like to know is... How did you survive COVID and how has it changed the way that you do things now? Great question. Um, I, so when COVID began, I was actually working, um, in a hospital setting as, as a music therapist and it was, it was really hard. It was really, really hard. And that's actually what kind of got me, um, to, to move out of the hospital setting and into private practice. And that is why my entire practice is virtual still, because I work with clients from many, many states. So while, you know, I would always ideally love to be in person doing this kind of work with people, it actually opened up this opportunity to be able to still, you know, do creative arts therapy, you know, virtually. And I found that it's still, it's still just as effective. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of what you do, mm-hmm. I want to know to simplify it just a little bit. I'm going to put you in front yeah. of a bunch of third graders, career day. One of the kids looks up and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them? That's a great, great question. Um, so I'll say that I I help people to um, to feel better and to express themselves um both by by talking about what they're feeling, but also by showing and experiencing how they're feeling using creative arts. Wonderful. So this seems as though, you know, I my main vocation with podcasting is jazz radio. Mm-hmm. So I've been in the music realm for a long time. And it's one of yeah. those, I always think about a lot of musicians will bring up the story where um, Louis Armstrong went into a war-torn area of Africa, I believe in 48. He went there with Dizzy Gillespie. It was a UN mission and they literally stopped fighting Mm. and played the show Mm. and everything kind of, you know, it's like, so metaphor, metaphorically speaking, it's the one language that we all understand as a planet Mm -hmm. and that we adhere to and that we'll stop wars for. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's a great story. So it's so so powerful. Yeah. And, and so Let's get to how this started. What did you want to be when you were in the third grade? Oh, um, I think I wanted to be a teacher and a hairstylist. Um, so <laughs> did not did not go that route. But actually, I I did initially go to college for um, music education. Okay, I knew I wanted to be. Um, I wanted to to not lose music because I was you know in everything musical growing up. Um, it was how I expressed myself. It's how I you know uh, learned to have a voice. And then I realized I didn't want to teach, but I loved my psychology classes. And so um, I went to NYU and I was, I had the opportunity to create my own major. And then I just combined music and psychology. 
I took an intro to music therapy class in my sophomore year. And then like, I remember I called my mom right after being like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Cause I came from, I come from a family of helping professionals. My mom's a nurse. My dad is a firefighter. My brother's a firefighter. So um, it was kind of this way to be a helping professional, but doing what I loved. And so then I went right to grad school for it. And the rest is history. So yeah, it was the perfect combination. So let's go back to where you were born and raised and the seeds that came in that mm-hmm. became this love of music and and to get into helping people. How did all this happen? Yeah, so um, I think I was just always naturally a, a uh, music-loving kid. I love to dance. Like just that's kind of where I always... Um, drew my attention. It wasn't necessarily something that anyone else in my family enjoyed. I just kind of did it um, and loved it. But I, you know, I grew up in a family that, you know, we didn't really talk about feelings. We didn't talk about emotions or what was going on. So um, it was really a space where I had full permission to express myself. And so it felt really good. It felt you know, really nice to just be able to be loud and, and sing and dance and move and be free and not feel like I had to, you know, filter myself in any way. So that's kind of just naturally, I think what kept me there. And, and especially I, I would say my main instrument is voice. So I'm a singer. Um, so again, really learned how to, uh, how to, express myself in that way. And and then I went into songwriting, which was a way that I started to process my emotions, you know, all the things that weren't being talked about. Um, and even going back now, looking at some songs that I wrote, like in my teenage years, which I thought were like, I'm just making this up. You know, actually, they're really, you know, kind of it's like, I, I feel so much compassion for myself at that time, because I was just trying to figure out, you know, what was what was going on. And, and then eventually, and going to school, I began to see my own music psychotherapist at 19, um, who I, you know, I still work with and, and it just really opened up so much. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what was the first album for you, musician, first live show, all of mm-hmm. those things that really hooked you? Yeah. This is where, um, especially my husband is like, you sure you're a music therapist? Because <laughs> I, you know, I grew up in the nineties and so, I'm very much like a boy band Spice Girls. Like that was, that was the music that I was, I was drawn to. I didn't necessarily get a great, um, music education for classic rock or anything like that. Um, my parents always listened to, to Motown. Like we were always listening to the oldies station. So I have, you know, an affinity for, for that music. Um, I'm embarrassed to say my first concert was Ashley Simpson for some reason. So, (laughs) um, so yeah, generally that's, you know, I was always just kind of listening to music and it, that my friends loved. So it was a community, you know, that's, that's one of the things I love so much about music that it does keep us in community with other people. Um, so that's kind of my. Interesting. Yeah. In my twenties, I was into the whole indie scene and mm-hmm. lots of those things that happened in the nineties were kind of on the periphery. So my wife mm-hmm. and stepdaughter, I'm like, who is that? And they'll always tell me because I have no idea. And it's in that realm of like boy band, singer, songwriter Mm -hmm. kind of things that I just did not get into. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, but everything has its place and the idea is to hook you into liking and loving music. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about who's been kind of a mentor or a hero for you in your life. Mm -hmm. That's a great, great um, question. I mean, I would say my, I mean, my mom is like my, she's my 
best, best friend. She's, she's the one that I've always kind of, um, it's been my, my rock been my biggest supporter. I'm really lucky. Like, I feel like I've, uh, been in, in my work, right. I work with a lot of people who don't have that one solid figure in their lives to support them. Um, and so for, to have that has just been the best. I mean, she's been the biggest cheerleader for anything that I wanted to do. She's the one that started to do this kind of vulnerable emotional work that actually probably led me down this path because she started to be open about exploring her feelings when I was a teenager. That kind of gave me permission to do the same and to, to kind of be where I am today. And it's probably, yeah, why I felt um, motivated and called to, to move into more of the psychology element of music versus just kind of staying you know, in a, in a teaching role. So yeah, so she's my, my main person. I'd right say. on. So let me ask you this. If you could meet anybody on the planet right now, whether it's a musician or somebody mm-hmm. in your field, who would you love to meet and talk to for a little bit? Mm, great, be anybody. great question. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I would, I think I would love to meet Adele. Yeah. <laughs> she'd be a ton of fun. I think I love that she's so vulnerable, right? Like she really uses her music to process her own stuff. Um, and she's right. She's funny and I think would be, would be a fun person to connect with. So beyond the music, loving music, you're obviously mm-hmm. in the profession of helping people. Mm-hmm. What is that spark, that motivation every day that gets you up, gets you moving and gets you to accomplish what you want to get done? It's a great, great question. Um, I mean, I, I've always just been a really driven person. It's just like in my personality, very type A, like I love having goals and, you know, love to work hard to meet them. Um, I would say that's probably the, you know, the perfectionist people pleaser in me. It's kind of how I dealt with, with kind of any of the sort of chaos and things that I dealt with in, in childhood. Um, it was my coping mechanism was to be really you know, motivated and goal driven. So it's just inherently in me. Um, but you know, right now I'm, I'm so motivated, you know, for my family, I have an eight month old son, um, who is just the best and delightful and, um, you know, I'm exhausted, but, Uh but I would say right now he is, he is such a big motivator, um, especially to keep, uh, you know, in motherhood, right. Your identity changes and, um, you know, I've, I've had to grapple with wanting to have my time to do work, but also to be with him and, and navigating that actually has been, has been a really big motivator and has forced me to be really, really intentional with my time that I'm, you know, spending away from him. And so that's actually been a, a huge motivator. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What, and, and I know probably for confidentiality, we can't get into specifics, but mm-hmm. what's one of your best success stories? Something that always puts a smile on your face. Mm. Um, you know, it's, there's, I'd say there's two, there's two kind of versions of that. When I worked in the hospital and I worked in a pediatric hospital, so with, you know, infants to, you know, um, people in their twenties, I would say that, you know, that, that time, it was always really, really powerful to work with a family, you know, let's, let's say, especially, um, I'm thinking of a teen who had, you know, a cancer diagnosis. I was able to, you know, to work with them from the point of diagnosis kind of throughout their treatment. And it was really powerful to see how music, especially was a source 
A, for pain management, you know, when she was going through really intensive treatments, like I could come in, bring some music and it would offer her some, you know, some relief. But it was also a place where she could do some really deep emotional processing of this, right, going through being diagnosed with cancer and going through treatment is a trauma in itself. And so in real time to be working with her, um, using songwriting um, and just even improvising together was a way for her to kind of sort out how she was feeling about it, which is ultimately going to continue to have a really positive impact as she moves forward um, and may deal with, you know, the the repercussions and, and the residual feelings of having gone through this experience. Um, so she's a really good example of, of kind of the scope of the work in the hospital and how it's so powerful. I would say in my private practice work, um, it, I'm thinking of, of a client who kind of came to me saying, you know, I'm really not in touch with my emotions and I, I want to be more, but I'm kind of terrified. Um, and honestly, it, it took a long time, um, for us to even get, to get comfortable to make music. And, and so initially we would, you know, all, all types of creative arts have layers of distance. So for someone who's not as in touch with their emotions, I may start with art. And so we would do a lot of art and have her do some, some drawings. If we were kind of talking about feelings and, um, I'd have her kind of put it on the page that way. Cause it's a little bit safer. And gradually we would maybe then shift to doing some, some breathing. We're right. Getting in touch with the body and, and how emotions are feeling in the body. And then finally, she was able to do some, some singing and, you know, vocalizing with me, which was actually, you know, really significant because it's really vulnerable to make music with someone else, especially if you're not a quote unquote singer or a musician, Yeah. which is, you know, in my work, I always say it's the biggest thing is you don't have to be someone who's already, you know, been good at singing or art in any way. Um, because right, that's something that we're all conditioned with. And it's sad that, you know, some people fall away from their creative sides because they were told when they were younger, like, yeah, you're not a great singer or you're not a good artist. Um, so, you know, it's really powerful just to see the, the, um, progression of someone's connection to themselves, yeah. um, with the support of, of the arts. So if anyone out there is thinking about getting music therapy and as a clinician, mm-hmm. as someone that does this, if you were to convince them, like from a from a psychological biological standpoint the the pure benefit of getting involved with both music and therapy together mm-hmm. what would you say how would you tailor that yeah you know i would say that the power of adding in music into your therapy process you know it just it meets it meets us as a whole person where talk therapy is great is is right is obviously talking about our emotions, maybe, you know, changing, working on how changing how we think sometimes, but our emotions aren't just in our thoughts. They're not just in our brains. They're in our entire bodies. And I think we all can connect to the power of music and how it can affect us emotionally. I'm sure we've, we've all had a powerful musical experience at some point. Um, and the fact that bringing music in, it's, it's just a safe, it's a safe container to hold emotions, right? It actually, um, it makes the therapy process feel safer, um, safer to explore things that are there because we can put it into music. We can listen to something and talk about what, what came up for us in the song, which might feel safer to do that first and then go into, oh, actually this happened to me. Um, so, you know, it just provides an element of safety and it helps us 
if if ultimately our goal in therapy is to feel more regulated, like to feel less overwhelmed and anxious, you know, music is a natural, um, you know, regulator for our nervous system. And so, so it's going to help us kind of get to the core of what our goals are for therapy. Um, honestly faster than, than talk therapy would. Yeah, for sure. So what are you the proudest of that you've done in your life so far? Hmm. Um, I would say becoming a mom and probably the most proud because I get to take, you know, my own experience and my experience, you know, with clients that I've worked with. And, you know, I know that I am shaping, right. My son's whole life experience and my whole job is helping people unpack right, their life experiences and the things that they didn't get from their caregiver. So I'm so, you know, hyper aware of my effect on, on my son. And it's, really awesome too, to be using music with him as a regulator, right? Like when I'm rocking him, I'm using my voice and that's regulating him, right? Yeah. Just from the youngest age. Um, so it's really, I feel really proud to be doing that now. Excellent. So let me ask you this. You know, you talked about the nineties, there was all these movements that went on, you know, the eighties had kind of this you know, bubblegum pop kind of a thing, synthesizers, all of that. Grunge came in and killed hair bands. There's all these movements that happen. Mm-hmm. What do you see as one of the most impressive movements in jazz or not in jazz and music? Yes. Just what was like the, 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 I don't, I'm trying to find the right way to say this, whether it's a, a movement or an era, mm-hmm. what do you think was the most seminal that we've experienced in our lives? Mm. That's a great. Great question. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking, I don't know why, like the 60s and 70s, like coming into my brain, just in terms of using music to send a message, yeah, right? Like music to send a powerful message to express a collective, uh, a collective feeling, right? A collective need. Um, and to use that, especially for, for good, right? To, to name, right? All of the needs and rights and, you know, things that we as a society need and to spread, to spread the message of self-compassion of, of love connection, right? All these things that are just key, right? Key to our sense of well-being. And I think all of us, our goal in anything we do, the end goal is always that we want to be happier, right? We want to be more content. Um, so to be, to be using music to spread messages in that way. I think yeah. That's a great answer. Yeah. And I was thinking about Sinead O'Connor, you know, Mm -hmm. her era was almost should have been 20, 30 years before because what she was doing wouldn't have been so weird. And the Mm -hmm. irony is, is that she got booed so loudly at a Bob Dylan event. And Bob was the one that ushered in that whole notion. Right, right. um, So let me ask you this. Speaking of, you know, youth and things like that, if you were to have a dream tonight, run into a 20 year old version of yourself and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on what you've lived, Mm -hmm. the wisdom you've gained so far, what would you tell that young version of you? Oh, this is a great question. And this is actually like a, I use this with clients a lot, you know, talking to past selves. And so it's great to be on the receiving end of this question. Um, I, oh, I would tell, I would give her a hug and I would tell her that everything's going to be okay, that, you know, she doesn't have to worry so much that she's, um, that, you know, I would tell her she's on the right path. Everything that she's doing is, is in alignment with, with who she wants to be. And that, um, just to keep, keep talking about what she's feeling 
and she's going to feel more at ease to do that. And that's going to really like, she will become, you know, she will become the type of, you know, a therapist that she's always wanted to be one day. And she's going to feel really comfortable and confident in that. Um, I may tell her to, to not take out so many student loans, but, <laughs> right. but we can't go back. Yeah. Can't go back then. Um, but, but yeah, I would just kind of reassure her that, that she's doing everything right. She's on the right path and it's all going to be okay. You know, I was talking to my stepdaughter yesterday about how much schools cost. Like she's at one point was thinking about going to a fine arts school in mm-hmm. California. And it was like the amount of money was almost like 20 grand a year. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. I remember when I was in school, I went to the university of Missouri, Kansas city, mm-hmm. and it was like, I don't know, three, 4,000 a year. And it's oh. like, even if you were to become a lawyer or a doctor and mm-hmm. spend all that money, you still won't have the liquidity to pay all of that back. It's just a lot of money. It's wild. Oh, it's, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. And while I'm so grateful for the experience, like, like it's shaped who I am and it's so important. I, it's yeah. Looking back, like whoever said going to, to New York university was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. When you said uh, NYU, I can only imagine that's like the top of the food chain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's again, the, I, I, the experience is worth it for sure. And it is just crazy, right? Yeah. Like three, $4,000 these days. is like maybe won't even cover like a credit. It's I know. I know. Crazy. It's, mm-hmm. it's nuts. So let's say we get off the phone, time machine pulls up, you can punch in the digits and go see any performance in the history of music. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to go? That's such a great question. Where am I going to go? Um, oh, I might go a lot of places, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go see the Backstreet Boys when, okay. you know, when I was nine. Yeah. <laughs> because. That would be, that would be such a delight. I did get to see them, uh, last year as, oh, cool. as an adult and it was honestly best experience ever. So I can only imagine how I would have enjoyed it at, at nine years old. So my dad, when I was a kid was a car salesman and he used to win mm-hmm. these like drawings because the car dealerships would get tickets. Mm-hmm. So he won tickets to see Michael Jackson, the victory tour in 84 oh, when I was a kid. Cool. And we waited and waited and waited. And that's when he had the glove and he Ugh. came up out of the ground and that glove just shimmered all around Arrowhead and people were screaming. It was like a Beatles show. It was like the closest <laughs> I remember to Shay. People were just totally losing their minds. So yeah, wow. that, that boy band level of phenomenon is wild. Mm, it is. So <laughs> it's... yeah, it's crazy. So Indeed. let me ask you this. Everyone out there has a perception of you. Family, mm-hmm. friends, clients, colleagues, but you run yeah. the show. What's mm-hmm. your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Hmm. Great question. I think that, uh, you know, I'll lead with that. I am a, a kind, compassionate, driven, confident, creative, um, vulnerable, open person. Um, n- non-judgmental. Um, very accepting and, but I can also write, I can be silly and playful and weird. And, and, you know, I think those are, those are parts of myself, not surprised they come last, but, but I think equal parts of myself to, to keep out there because those are the parts, right? That's the little kid who, right, found safety in music and dancing and singing and acting. 
um, who may have kind of fallen away from it for a while until right coming back into it professionally and working to help other people pull out that right inner kid and, and all of them. Um, and so I, I work hard too to make sure that I'm not losing that perception to keep that out too. Absolutely. Megan, if anyone wants to hire you, learn more about you, anything mm-hmm. pertaining to your world, where is the best place to go? They can find me on Instagram. It's at connect with Megan, M-E-G-A-N, or my website is resonatepsychotherapy.com. Megan, this has been great. I was really looking forward to, you know, uh, talking to you about your world of music and it was everything I thought. I I really appreciate your time. Best of luck with everything. Oh, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify. Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.